Welcome to Witch Bitches Review. I am the guardian spirit here to punish you for your sins, you naughty, naughty boys. Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. And I'm a swarm of pestilent venomous insects that exists purely to kill men. Siren Rex Fry. This is the podcast where two actual witches analyze and review representations of witchcraft in media and pop culture. Today we are discussing Charmed Season 1, Episode 11 feats of clay so this is new information for me but the episode title comes from the idiom feet of clay as in like the feet you stand on and it's a fucking bible reference what that's probably why i didn't know it um it comes from some story about a statue with a head of gold and feet made of clay i'm um sorry The expression refers to a flaw or weakness in someone who otherwise looks great. I'm sure they're trying to say that Phoebe's love interest in this episode is a great guy who just has a little flaw, but the truth is he's really just a semi-hot douchebag. Um, Changing feet to feats, as in a great achievement, and naming said douchebag Clay is like, meh? (laughs) Just not a super (laughs) clever title. (laughs) According to IMDb, this episode ranked 7.2 out of 10 and is the one where... Phoebe's ex-boyfriend shows up with a stolen and cursed Egyptian urn. Prue tries to save the auction house from bankruptcy, and Piper's witchcraft backfires. This episode was written by Michael Pericone and directed by Kevin Inch. I hate this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I just do. (laughs) Were you a dinosaur gay or an ancient Egypt gay? I was... 100% a dinosaur gay because of Power Rangers. I was, like, obsessed with everything pterodactyls because Kimberly, obviously. Okay, that's legit. And, you know, I thought pterodactyls were pretty cool also because of Kimberly. When in reality, I just wanted to, like, be Kimberly. Honestly, same. Oh, she was such, like, a sassy little skinny bitch. I loved her. She was my favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, are those the only two options, though? Because I was the Stars and Planets gay. And Uranus was my favorite. <laughs> of, of course it was. That's a gay joke, but it's also true. <laughs> I don't really like this episode either. Uh, it's not by any means the worst one that we've seen so far, I don't think. But it just, it sort of has that typical charm setup, but not in a good way. There are like a yeah. couple of really trivial things that are going on that take up a good chunk of the episode runtime, but have absolutely nothing to do with the cursed urn that is killing people. And I feel like this whole like Phoebe's ex plotline serves to give us a little bit more Phoebe backstory, which I'm into because we don't really get to talk about her life in New York very much in the show, like at all. So it's cool to learn more about her, but it's also really unnecessary. I just... I I just hate the entire theme of this episode, which is like Phoebe's basically trying to get back with some loser and Prue's trying to tell her that he's a loser. And she's like basically gaslighting Prue almost and being like, you just don't even know him. You're not giving him a chance. And I just, I hate that shit. I hate when anybody does that, but I've just experienced a lot of like the women I love in my life, like, wasting their time on these horrific douchebag guys and like being upset about them all the time and then like you know i try to tell them well you're upset because he treats you like shit and he sucks and then they turn on me instead of him and if you think i'm talking about you listener i am okay and that's all i'm gonna say about that we are halfway through the first season of charmed now 11 episodes oh, in yeah. we have 11 more yeah. Sure. That's really cool. I have had a lot of fun doing this. Me too, for sure. So I'm really excited to finish out the last half of this season and, you know, move on into season two for sure, but then also like do some more fun stuff. Yeah, we have some interesting plans for y'all once we finish season one here. You'll just have to like stay tuned and find out what it is. (gasps) 
Yeah. So this episode focuses really heavily on an Egyptian urn. And anytime I see something in a movie or TV that has to do with Egypt, I just expect like Brendan Fraser to show up. Oh, Brendan. I initially thought this was Charmed's way of hitching on to the popularity of The Mummy, but this episode actually aired several months before that film was released. So I'm not really sure if that was just a coincidence, if maybe there was some sort of like cross-promotional thing that was going on, but I mean, that was like a major motion picture, and I don't think the WB had those kind of connections, but something to think about. I mean... I think if they were going to be, like, trying to, like, bolster the mummy, they wouldn't be doing it on Fledgling Charmed, but... Very true. Who knows? Very true. It's probably just a weird coincidence. This is completely unrelated, but I do want to tell you, since you brought up Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser was totally my queer awakening and the star of my first sex dream. (laughs) But... It was not because of the mummy. It was because of George of the Jungle. He was so hot in George of the Jungle. He was so hot in that movie. Oh, he did have long hair in that movie, and that's kind of your thing. Yeah, and he was like half naked the entire time. Um, So the only really good thing in this episode is that it's the introduction of Prue's new boss, Claire, who's played by Christine Rose. And she's a fucking bitch, and I love her. I really like Claire, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I like that actress in general. Um, Christine Rose, she only is in Charmed for the rest of season one, which is too bad because I think she was really fantastic. Um, But she's a main character in another Supernatural show called Heroes. And she is a straight up motherfucking bitch for five straight seasons. And I love it. (laughs) I didn't know she was in Heroes, but granted, I never really got super into that show. I feel like it was something that I would really like now, but when it was airing, it was not my thing. Um, Heroes is off the wall ridic, I'm going to be honest with you, but Christine Rose is good anyway. (laughs) Um, The episode opens with shots of the pyramids and like the Sphinx and shit, and they are like very, very obviously stock footage. Um, And then we get like an incredibly grainy skyline, and we're told to believe that we're in Cairo, Cairo, Egypt, apparently. And there is this band of, like, idiotic thieves setting out to steal an urn from a private art collection in Egypt. Like, why? But, okay, so what's weird about it is they're like, yeah, the previous owner of this huge, valuable Egyptian artifact collection died, and we're going to break into his house, the three of us, and steal particularly one thing. (laughs) You know? What? No idea. Absolutely no clue. But okay, you guys are fucking brilliant. Bumbling Americans, I swear to God. So out of these bumbling idiots that are trying to steal this urn, one of them will later learn is Clay, international criminal and Phoebe's ex-boo. We also learn that this urn that they're planning to steal is apparently cursed. Yeah, you know, now that I'm thinking about that, okay, so the two other thieves know the urn is cursed, but they don't believe in it, but they don't tell Clay because they think he'll freak out. But, like, again, they're breaking into the home of a collector. Why are they only stealing the one thing that's supposed to be cursed? (laughs) Why? Because it's inlaid with 24 karat gold, Siren. Oh, my God. 24 whole carats. People are so ignorant. (laughs) Um, a couple, <laughs> a couple of guards in some borderline racist headwear bust in, looking for these super sneaky boys. Uh, that was for sure racist headwear. <laughs> yeah. And as they're about to make their escape, a white lady in a costume purchased at a Spirit of Halloween pop up appears in some shimmery gold sparkles, <laughs> and is like, "Here, I have a spider," and kills one of the thieves. <laughs> but Clay, our leading himbo in this episode, did not notice at all. <laughs> No, you're right. She does look like She does. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Oh, I love this thing you wrote here. So this costume is very Elizabeth Taylor as Cleopatra, but make it Party City. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. (laughs) I know, that's legit. So, So you put a lot of thought into this, like, is this cultural appropriation? Um, this sort of like whitewashed costumey portrayal of Egyptian figures mm. 
So what did you end up deciding about that? I was initially really concerned that this was cultural appropriation, but there's like a really, really fine line to walk with things pertaining to ancient Egypt. Like this costume is very Elizabeth Taylor as Cleopatra, but you know, make it party city. Uh, (laughs) And I honestly think Hollywood in general has had more of an effect on the outlook of ancient Egyptian culture than any actual information on ancient Egyptian culture. I feel Mm -hmm. like we do need to talk about how the guardian of this ancient Egyptian urn is a white lady. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just historically inaccurate, and quite frankly. The the actress's name is, um, the actress's name is Stacey Haduk, and she's best known for her work on The Young and the Restless, Prison Break, and Steel and Lace. Only two of those things have I ever heard of. Um, it all sounds like a really primetime afternoon old lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. <laughs> um, if we're meant to believe that this spirit is from ancient Egypt, there is no fucking way she would be white. Uh, and this was absolutely a situation where they could have and should have cast a POC actor, in my opinion. Of course, if they had, then that actress probably would have died. <laughs> yeah, probably. The racial stuff with ancient Egypt is um, pretty interesting. It has only really recently been kind of put to rest, although not everybody agrees with it because they don't want to. But um, throughout history, um, the people of Egypt have sort of been diverse in skin tone, um, I guess. Um, so Egypt is... North Africa, and a lot of people forget that Egypt is in Africa, and they kind of treat it like its own special place, you know, and I guess so that's so they can pretend that it's always been, like, ruled by white people, (laughs) or whatever, um, but there, there were literally racist assumptions made by anthropologists that Egypt was obviously a, like, mostly white country, because they simply could not believe that black people or dark-skinned people could run a successful empire for a long period of time. And they enjoy saying things like, only white people have ever done that. Fucking eye roll. And that, that like, racist assumption has literally been used as proof in the past that the ancient Egyptians were white. Like, no, no other proof but, like, that racist assumption. And people are just like, oh, this is obviously fact. Um, so that exists in history. That's yeah. yucky. That's pretty cool. Um, However, I mean, so like black people, brown people, white people have all existed in Egypt for a long time. And a lot of that is due to the fact that at some point, you know, Egypt developed a pretty strong trade relationship and diplomatic relationship with Rome. Mm -hmm. And that involves some white Romans moving in and intermarrying and all sorts of stuff. And, you know, Egypt also had relations with the more southern African countries who were even darker in skin tone. So, um, in terms of skin color, Egypt has been pretty diverse forever. But now when we're going to talk about, like, the ruling families, the people who typically were mummified and kept in tombs that were preserved, that's not the same story. I did research on this just for this. Okay? So... Um, you know, like I said, the subject of skin color in ancient Egypt has been hotly debated for a long time, a discussion rife with racist bullshit, but we do have definitive scientific proof that the ancient Egyptians that we've been, that we've had access to study have the most DNA in common with people of the present day Middle East, countries like Iran and Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Um, the study was conducted by an archaeogeneticist, that's a fancy title, named Dr. Johann Krauss of the Max Planck Institute, which I guess is somewhere and important. Um, but anyway, that's whatever. <laughs> Doctor. <laughs> Your credentials don't matter. You have a doctorate. <laughs> I'm just saying it so I sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so Dr. Krauss's team sequenced the DNA of 90 intact mummies, which sounds like quite the process. And it was the process of, like, finding mummies that still even had intact DNA and also extracting it from them without damaging Oh, God. So, like, this was a process. Okay. So, anyway, so they sequenced the DNA of 90 mummies. 
and found that literally all of this DNA was mostly in common with people of the present-day Middle East. So I think we can safely say at this point that the ruling ancient Egyptians and probably the earliest ancient Egyptians were not white. Almost definitely not. So after this just completely gone off without a hitch heist that these boys have performed, despite, you know, the casualty, we transition into the manor. Piper and Phoebe come down the stairs and apparently Clay has already been in touch and is coming to town, but Prue doesn't have any idea what's going on because no one ever fucking tells her anything. Uh, But apparently Phoebe had like a lot of different jobs in New York, which makes sense considering that she still can't keep a job that (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's... Then ding dong, Clay's here. And Phoebe has a penetration. I mean, I mean, premoni- <laughs> prem- premonition. She has a, she has a vision of her and Clay post sexy times. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't even deal. And with And then you we right have now. the opening credits. Oh my god! Ooh, all right. I did not see that one. <laughs> Yeah, so so we have the the opening song is Inside Out by Eve Six, which apparently Phoenix thinks just sounds like 90s generic grunge. Maybe I like 90s generic grunge. I don't know. I like this song. You you cannot tell me that that does not sound like every other, like, pop punk song that has come out of the 90s. Well, I just kind of like pop punk from the 90s, okay? That's totally fine, but it all sounds the same. So what you're saying is that your musical preferences are just so refined above this riffraff. (laughs) I get it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. So, anyway, so now Prue and Piper are having a conversation about how nobody ever tells Prue anything because she's a judgmental bitch. And that's why Prue had to... Bye on Phoebe and Clay last night. Mm. Prue really is such a mom in this episode, but I I just can't help but love her. The more we go through it, the more I just really, really, really like Prue. Mm, I think, I mean, I would definitely call her a big sister in this episode because been there, done that. (laughs) Uh, Piper, however, sure is doing a lot of freezing things for personal gain in this episode, that little scamp. Yeah, this this is actually a little out of character for her because I feel like she almost never behaves like that ever again. She's just like so cavalier about it. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. Uh, the green screen work at Quake when Piper is freezing that fucking boring white guy number one. It's not very good. Um, no, it's not. I feel like it, it was but, a good attempt, especially for the time. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't look great. Who owns Quake though? Piper is saying that she's in trouble with the owner because this dumb guy keeps breaking plates all the time and she's going to get fired. Is it that bitchy queen Martin that owns Quake? Because, like, I don't know. I guess. I guess Martin still owns Quake, even though he only showed up for work that one time. But, I mean, we all had those bosses. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway, the the point of all this is that this... Horrible, like, 90s part down the middle loser named Doug. Oh, his name is Doug. <laughs> his name is Doug. As he, every time he sees his ex-girlfriend, who also works at Quake, awkward, he breaks a bunch of glasses because he's a klutz. And so Piper keeps freezing the room and stopping him from breaking glasses. Um, so Prue is still working at the auction house. My question, because we we learn pretty soon that the auction house is in some trouble financially. Well, actually, we learned that last episode. Andy said it. That Rex and Hannah had stolen all the money. Oh, okay. So my question, where did all the money go? Rex and Hannah blew it all. Yeah. Okay. So now Phoebe and Clay are having this uncomfortable conversation in the park because they went for like a walk or whatever. And she's like, Clay, you're a piece of shit. What do you want? (laughs) And he's like, yo, girl, I went shopping and got a vase for burned up dead bodies. And I want your sister to sell it at her demon auction house. (laughs) So how did he know that Prue worked at an auction house? Because when Phoebe moved, when the last that we know 
Phoebe would have been in touch with him was right before she moved back home. And she was working at a and museum. And she was working at a museum at that time. Not an Not auction. Not an auction house. So how the fuck did he know that? Mm-hmm. And again, like, Phoebe doesn't have a cell phone at this point. So, like, are we assuming that while they were dating in New York, Phoebe gave him her home phone number in San Francisco? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. And that he held on to it after they broke up so that he could stalk her sister for job changes? <laughs> Who knows? Right. So at Buckland's, Prue has a new boss who I have mentioned that I love. Her name is Claire. She's the total see you next Tuesday. And she just kind of barges in and she's like, listen, bitch, you're going to need to make me like $2 billion by the end of the day or the bank is going to repo this house down boots. Okay. And you're going to be hitting the classified. Honey. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then Phoebe shows up and uh, Claire is like, get out of my way. <laughs> And, um, yeah, but she's got the himbo with her, and they have this beautiful 24-karat gold inlay urn with lots of lapis that appears to be from Egypt. Don't you also feel like every time they describe the urn that you could, like, buy it off QVC? (laughs) This is definitely a home shopping network kind Mm. of a deal, yes. Yeah, for sure. So Prue is like, well, this is super suspicious, but I guess I'll do it so that you guys will leave. So Phoebe and Clay leave, and one of Clay's accomplices catches them outside Buckland's and is like, hey, Clay, want a fook? And <laughs> it... I did not catch that subtext, but I'm... Interested. He says, we'll hook up later. He did say that. You're right. Oh, my God. Gay coding. Okay. Yeah. The only thing that was missing was a hanky sticking out of his pocket. <laughs> but it turns out he's not going to live long because the white lady is here in San Francisco. Right. So now Prue and Piper are talking shit about Phoebe and Clay on the phone about this whole sketchy situation. But it was kind of a throwaway scene. Except that Piper says that freezing Doug over and over again. Is making her super tired. And then I guess it's sort of funny at the end when she fails to freeze him and the glasses just like break everywhere. And she's like, sorry, Doug, you fucking suck. I don't have time for this. This is a really good example of the way magic can be taxing if you use like personal energy and power for everything. Especially if you're dedicating it towards someone else. Yeah. Instead of like channeling from outside sources of power, like the earth or the sun or the moon or your deities, etc. Those are all really good alternatives to using personal power for everything. I mean, not that there are not benefits to that every once in a while. Like when you're really pissed off about something, you know, that's a good source of energy to channel. Um, But that takes practice. And the charmed one's aren't really good at actually trying. Well, see, I think doing like a lot of magic, no matter how you're doing it or where you're drawing power from is tiring. Mm -hmm. I mean, I sort of feel like if I'm tired afterward, then that means I did something. (laughs) I mean, that absolutely makes sense. It's like a, like a good workout. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not unfortunately giving me all the benefits of a good workout, but, um, yeah, I've been learning about exercise magic recently and I'm very interested in it. I was mm. I'm not learning about it like extensively studying, but I chatted about it with someone who is a witch that also works out. And I was like, huh, that sounds like something I might be able to do. I guess that could maybe get me into the idea of exercise, if anything good. <laughs> um, back at the manor, though, Phoebe and Clay have a takeout feast next to the fireplace. And they are clearly gonna bang because nothing says plumb the inner depths of my body like i just ate five different cartons of chinese food (laughs) it's definitely a good thing that they're not gay um i would totally fuck this guy too though i mean clay's cute (laughs) even if he does steal dead people vases and says cheesy shit in san francisco like show me where i left my heart i would maybe do some light oral but he looks like kind of selfish so you right though like he would finish first and then like not even care about you yeah and then like just go i mean i literally did that today but it's fine (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my god. And here's the thing. I know we make fun of her a lot, but Phoebe as a character in this scene when she's talking to Clay has so much potential. She's coming off as like dynamic and interesting. She's like multifaceted and comedic. And I think Alyssa Milano is bringing a lot of depth to her. And we're only 11 episodes in. And the potential I see for Phoebe here gets really, really squandered as the show progresses and her whole storyline becomes very Romeo and Juliet. And a lot of what was interesting about her gets kind of overshadowed by it. And it's really disappointing to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do think that seasons one and two are sort of like Phoebe's best even though she's a little all over the place in season two. But they do get into this, like, star-crossed lovers thing with her a lot. And Alyssa Milano is just a better actress than what they give her. Yeah. A lot of the time. Um, But, you know, I like my Phoebe the same way I like my Buffy. Single. (laughs) So Prue comes home, and she's, like, a total bitch about Clay and everything. And Phoebe's like, don't be a bitch. And Prue's like, I can worry about my little sister, can't I? And Phoebe says, don't ever stop. And then Piper blows up the attic. Now it's time for Misspelled. This is the segment where we break down the spells used by TV witches and talk about how a real witch might go about doing the same thing. And today we're talking about Piper's confidence spell. So upstairs in the attic, Prue and Phoebe catch Piper with a smoking cauldron. And she says she put a charm on boring white boy number one, who apparently is called Doug, but who cares? Um, <laughs> She says it's not for personal gain, even though she does get something out of it. Um, Also, this is the last time that there's a reference to the Wiccan Reed mentioned at all ever in the show. A good witch follows a Wiccan Reed. Yeah. And it harm none, do what you will, is something that a lot of Wiccans follow. But as we have beaten to death by now... The Charmed Ones are not Wiccan. And also, you know, since we're talking about the Wiccan read, um, let's talk about the fact that the word read itself does not mean law or rule. It means advice or counsel. Yeah. Um, which I just recently learned from Matt Oren. Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, but like a lot of people take the and it harm none do what you will thing as like literal law. Like you can never do any kind of magical practice that could harm any living creature ever. No matter if it's for self-defense or if they deserve it or whatever. And the Wiccan Reed was literally written by Doreen Valiente, who has publicly disagreed with that interpretation. (laughs) See, I didn't know that part. No, it's true. When she found out that American Wiccans had taken it that way, she was sort of like, well, good for them, but I don't know how that's going to work out for you. (laughs) It's definitely, it is not a set and st- it's not like the 10 commandments it's not that moses didn't stand up on whatever the fuck he stood up on i don't remember having read the bible in a long time aradia daughter of the moon did not come down from mount olympus with the wiccan reed carved onto a branch of rowan i don't know did not happen did not happen this spell's a little tricky because we don't actually see the spell performed um however i can tell you that this is not really a charm charming is typically something done to like an object it's like oh i don't know maybe a, a charm bracelet we do see a smoking cauldron and there's a poppet in the cauldron and a circle of candles which is also kind of pretty standard for some spells that they do mm-hmm. in season one Piper says she doubled the recipe for this spell. And I think that's weird. I don't even know what that means. I'm like, honestly, like you just used more ingredients. So the spell will work twice as well. I don't. That's not really a, a quantif. That's I don't. I'm just I'm at a loss. What is that? It's not like cooking. It's not like you double the batch of the spell and then you have more spell in case like another guest comes over for dinner. Like, it's just not like that. No. Here's the thing that really gets me. They couldn't substitute that goddamn owl feather when their dead ancestor came to visit. But now they feel comfortable altering ingredients all willy nilly. Well, Melinda did sort of tell them to basically just be a slut and do whatever they wanted. Very so. true. But I, d- I do agree with you. It's not making cookies. You're not going to get a double batch. You know, that's you're exactly right. I actually do have a spell to inspire confidence in my book. It was maybe like the second or third spell that I ever wrote. And it was pretty simple. Uh, 
my practice is pretty element based. So I use very fiery representations in the spell. I haven't done it in a long time because I'm a bad bitch and I haven't needed to. But I think it was just like a red candle, a bloodstone that I have that I use the energy from. And this little chant, even though the spell is still in my book, I would probably incorporate more into it now than I did before. But it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be complicated. But the more I have evolved as a witch the more I enjoy putting more components into my spell. When I first started, I was very overwhelmed by like lots of different components in a spell because I just didn't understand how everything worked. The more that I've learned and the more that I'm, I've am i evolved, it helps me like focus on my intention more to have things that I need to incorporate. Mm-hmm. Well, now I see, I think you're overwhelmed by the urge to go shopping at that witch store down the street <laughs> and drop at least $100 every time you walk through the door. I have only spent over $100 at that store one time and it was with you. So... <laughs> <laughs> so it was my influence is what you're saying yes fine i wouldn't have spent any money there but somebody persuaded me to buy a 70 dollars statue i did do that i did do that didn't do that also phoenix and i met in person guys and it was fucking oh my god cool. we did we didn't like take pictures or do anything like no because we're stupid we but, should have um, but i mean it was it was our first meeting we didn't know how it was gonna go yeah we hung out and we were gay and in the cult bookstore together it was so it was pretty fucking it was rad. Really fucking cool. Speaking of really fucking cool things, something really hot is the sun. And (laughs) the sun is... Brilliant transition. (laughs) Thank you. I am a writer. I am an actor. I am... A poet, to be sure. I am a poet. I am a performer, darling. The sun (laughs) is a great source of power when doing magic for confidence. And I don't know if you'll agree with this or not, but I feel like the sun kind of gets the brush off for the moon sometimes. And I I get it for sure, but like, don't sleep on the sun. Oh, not for, not for me. It's, the, the sun's power is important, you know? It brings life. I fucking love the sun. The sun is, like, so important. It, it gives you some vitamin D so you don't get so depressed. Like, the sun's yeah, great. Yeah, we know what vitamin D you're really after. <laughs> I had that already today. Thank you. Um, What are your thoughts on the sun? What are your thoughts on sun magic? Because, I mean, that's something that I would incorporate for this for sure. I mean, I kind of see just, like, every part of nature as, like, um having magical properties. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I'm a gardener. Okay. So... I think of the sun as intensely important. Cool. <laughs> you know, the the sun makes my plants grow. And I mean, like, I would probably be more likely to charge something in sunlight than moonlight just because I'm, like, not great at, like, keeping schedules. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, knowing what's going on with the moon and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Additionally, though, and this sort of backs your claim, if... Because I like to use tarot cards in my spells. And if I were going to choose a card for confidence, I would choose the sun mm-hmm. as well. I usually use the magician for confidence. I associate that very strongly with like trusting in your ability. That's also a good mm-hmm. one. But I just I think my instinct would be the sun. For sure. So the way that Piper uses a poppet in the spell is completely wrong. Far be it for me to second guess a sister witch. But this is all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay. So. I understand why you would use a poppet. Um, Making a poppet of a person is a good way to focus a spell on them, you know, but you have to think that you want to treat that poppet the way you want to treat the person. So if you're using a poppet to do a spell to help someone, you wouldn't say make a poppet of a person and then throw it in your dirty ass cauldron and set it on fire. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So honestly, you know, this spell does not quite turn out the way Piper intended, but she's lucky that Doug did not just burst into flame right then and there, breaking how many more dishes, possibly burning the damn restaurant down. And how would her job be after that? Huh, Piper? Just need you to get your head out of your ass and read the goddamn Book of Shadows. <laughs> Some herbs that you might include since we're talking recipe here. Piper says that she doubled the recipe. When she was literally setting Doug on fire. Some herbs that she might have used could have been basil, borage, mullein, rosemary, thyme, red pepper, paprika, 
Maybe something extra spicy, depending on what you're going for, like chili powder or cayenne pepper. Um, the best gemstone to use for a confidence spell is carnelian, and that's actually one of its primary functions in gem magic. And interestingly enough, carnelian is a popularly used magical stone in ancient Egypt. Carnelian is a really lovely shade of orange and tends to have some like agate-like um, flecks of different colors in it. And I've never done a spell bell per se for confidence but i do have a carnelian bracelet that i wore that i wear exactly for that purpose Um, i would also recommend amethyst because amethyst is great for everything but amethyst is very like empowering or whatever but definitely if you want to do some kind of confidence charm or wear a piece of jewelry to be more confident more well-spoken more courageous carnelian is the way to go and you can get a beaded bracelet for like pretty inexpensive of it mine's beautiful i would do this as a petition spell probably i would write down my desire whether that's like confidence in general confidence in a certain aspect of life confidence in a certain situation if i wanted to be confident in like a job interview or or something like that i would smolder an incense blend of the aforementioned herbs and then set the fucking paper on fire and not pop it to you know burn down a person yeah we've discussed this at length probably but i fucking love writing down what i want on paper and setting it on fire me too (laughs) with like herbs that smell like witchcraft it's so Mm -hmm. satisfying if, um, if I were going to do this spell, like I mentioned, I would probably just bless a piece of jewelry, preferably a carnelian, because I like it. Which would actually be a charm. Which would actually be a charm, by the way. Maybe, like, force myself to, like, say nice things about myself out loud or something, which is super awkward. So I'd have to be alone for that part, for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how I would do this spell on, like, someone else who didn't know I was doing it on them and wasn't there. I don't really like to do that sort of thing anyway. I'm not ethically opposed to it. I just personally don't like it. Um, unless they, unless they literally ask me to. That's like the only reason I would do something like this. Um, but otherwise I probably just wouldn't. See, and I, I have complicated feelings about doing spells on or for other people in general. There's part of me, part of my practice is very like psychologically based, right? And so right. I feel like it's, and so can you even affect uh, the real change the way that we do magic if they're not there to experience the psychological change in effect? Exactly that. Yeah. I feel like if we knew all of the components that this spell could work in a similar way to what happens here. Just don't put the fucking puppet in the cauldron, Piper. I mean, again, like, I guess you can do that, but I just need you to think about the symbolism. <laughs> Misspell. Back at Buckland's, there's an auction. But gasp! Oh no. The urn! It's stolen! What a surprise! Who would have guessed? And I love how, I love how when Christine tells Prue that the urn is stolen, she's not angry. She's not scared. She's not freaking out. She's irritated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Prue's gotta figure this shit out really quick, or... She's going to lose her job. So she uses a little bit of her uh, eye squinty telekinesis to move some tags around and go grab the urn real quick. Clay's gay lover is hiding in Prue's office. And she has this line that I really love where she's like, who are you? And then he says some shit and she's like, same question. Who are you? And I just live for that sass. I live for that sass. Yeah, I love Prue's Love sass. it. Shannon Doherty did such a good job with that delivery. She did. But like, okay, and I I was actually pretty much thinking about the same thing in the scene about how Prue is so powerful. Because like, okay, that guy's acting creepy and he's got her cornered in her office. And like any other woman would probably be a little scared, you know? But Prue knows for sure that she can fucking take him. <laughs> <laughs> so she ain't scared at yeah, all. She's just like, same question. Who are you? And I fucking love that. I love that line. It's just, it's a real power move. It's like, check fucking mate, bitch. We watched The Queen's Gambit recently, so I've been thinking about chess a lot. No, but Prue is just like, try it, bitch. Yeah. And I love the way it. that she swindles the fuck out of him with her, with her power. When he's like, the urn is cursed. And she's like, I know what to do. And she just moves it and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, so she telekinically slides the urn across her desk twice and scares the shit out of them. And that urn moving scene is, like, in the opening credits for, like, the next two seasons. Is it really? Yeah. So Piper and Phoebe are taking a stroll, and Piper will just not shut up about Doug, but we're over that. Phoebe really needs to talk about herself now, like usual. 
So she just goes along with it and she's like, okay, listen, anyway, let's talk about me. So she talks about being in New York City and how Clay, like, gets, she basically said that Clay, like, got into debt. And so I envision that as, like, something, like, a little bit deeper. Like, maybe it got kind of dangerous, intense, scary. He got in debt with the wrong people, yeah. you know? That's the vibe I got. Mm-hmm. And where Phoebe was just like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I That's the vibe that I got, too. I really like the sister talk, though. I feel like they, again, I mentioned this a couple episodes ago. The chemistry with the actresses is getting better. Like, better and better and better every single mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. And this is a good scene. I mean, despite Piper wanting to talk about Doug a whole bunch, um, I think this is, I think it's great. I think it's cute and endearing and fun. I love it. Um, plot twist, though. Piper's spell made boring Doug into douchey Doug. Oh my god, he's so annoying in yeah. this scene. I mean, okay, so I actually think this is like typical Charmed back. It's like, okay, Charmed makes their spells backfire in comedic ways mm-hmm. a lot. And I appreciate that most of the time, even when it like is like really wrong or ridiculous sometimes. But this is typical Charmed for that reason. Um, You know, it kind of harkens back to the love spell episode in the, in the Dream Sorcerer when they tried to do love spells on themselves and it made like guys creepily obsessed with them and but it, they kind of made it comedic mm-hmm. yeah so this is just another example of like the spell backfiring in a sort of funny way and this one really is quite harmless it just kind of like you know freaks piper out a yeah. little bit <laughs> she's like maybe i should have doubled the recipe but that wasn't a fucking done shit bitch you no know, but doug just like really like sucks his whole like where he's like trying to act cool while like shaking the drinks uh-huh. and stuff at the bar he doesn't look cool at all. He looks like a fucking loser <laughs> who thinks he looks yeah, cool. Yeah, he does. But there's all these women at the bar who are, like, falling it for it and, like, fanning themselves and shit and, like, making, like, sexually suggestive faces that also nobody ever actually makes in real life outside of, like, commercials. Um, what is your opinion on spell backfire in general oh wow okay that's actually a really good topic i don't have a lot of experience with this mostly it's more like you know either they work or they they don't (laughs) (laughs) i've never like had it like happen in a way that i regretted exactly but the thing that comes to mind why are you making me talk about this right (laughs) now (laughs) so i had this online boyfriend for many years and we were like on and off again Uh many years um, when I was in college, he drove 11 hours to meet me in person, and it was supposed to blizzard that weekend, and I prayed to the moor again to stop the blizzard so that he could safely get to me, and so that his trip wouldn't be canceled because he really wanted to meet him. And he did get there, and I swear to God, as soon as I saw his car pull up, it started snowing. Oh, shit. We had a wonderful weekend. An absolutely wonderful weekend. And then he planned to come back in a few weeks. And the weekend that he was supposed to come back, we were not getting called for a blizzard, but one hit. And it was like the worst blizzard in years. Oh, shit. And then, of course, he didn't come. And then thought a lot about what our long distance meant. And then he broke up with me <laughs> for the final oh, time. No. So... If you believe that all those instances are connected, then that would seem like kind of a backfire or a consequence or a price or something. Mm -hmm. I do not lightly call upon the Morrigan anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know if I believe in spell backfires in the way that people are afraid of them. You know, in Mm -hmm. something like detrimental or the opposite of what you want happening. Or like it's going to come back to you times three. Because my thing is, a big part of magic is will and intention. Yeah. And I just don't personally feel like something that you don't intend with your working, something that you're focusing intently on, I don't think that that's going to not happen that way. I just don't think that, like, the opposite of what you want is going to happen. I don't think some, like, outlandish fucking terrible thing is going to happen to you if you do something a little bit wrong in a spell, whatever the fuck that means. Like... Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely don't believe that if you accidentally, like, spill too much borage root into your sensor that like everything's gonna go haywire and kill your grandma or something you know like i don't i don't think that but there's a particular group of people that practice witchcraft now that think that that's a thing and i just don't 
feel that way. Well, then I would say that they create that as a thing for themselves. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. In the next scene, because I don't want to talk about Doug anymore. <laughs> In the next scene, Clay's lover is trying to escape the urn. Uh, but Party City Barbie shows up to kill him anyway. Two major things happen in this scene that I want to talk about. One, that CGI scorpion looks hella fake. And two, scorpion stings don't kill people. I googled it and it's true. I refuse to do more research beyond that because bugs are fucking gross. (laughs) But scorpion stings do not kill people. I saw that and I was like, um, I'm pretty sure that that's not a thing. And I was right, it's not. Unless you're sickly, elderly, or a dumb baby, you're not going to get killed by a scorpion. Um, Phoenix, Phoenix is correct, however, because I'm difficult. I dived into research to confirm and possibly contradict that. <laughs> Sorry about it. So, um, no, everything that Phoenix just said is true. Um, however, so this scorpion, you know, one is magical, but also is doing something that like a real scorpion would not do, which is like just perching on um, Palmer's neck and stinging him repeatedly. Um, multiple scorpion stings are like so incredibly rare that there's like very little um, documentation of it. And I think in cases where that does happen, it's multiple scorpions, not the same one. Mm. Um, so in this scene, we see the, the one scorpion sting him repeatedly. I mean, they probably like spent his venom load on like the first two or so, you know, and then like had, to, a one and done. had to wait till tomorrow to shoot again. Um, huh. So that's a one pump chump scorpion. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, however, however, um, scorpion venom can cause muscles to like, and skin to swell up. So since it was the neck, um, I think the multiple stings could have caused his like airways to swell up. So he would asphyxiate. And fun fact, in a very small percent of the population, mostly only people who've been previously stung by scorpions, but not always. In a very small percent of people, scorpion stings can cause allergic reactions, including anaphylaxis. Oh. Especially, I'm assuming, if it's right in the fucking neck. <laughs> so, yeah. likely Palmer suffocated to death. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing some more research. Uh, bugs give me the heebie-jeebies, so I did not want to look too far into that. Phoebe and Claire are having sex, and I'm super jealous. Uh... <laughs> it's just like her premonition, except plot twist. Prue barges in on them. And then Prue informs Phoebe that the urn was stolen after she got dressed and walked out on her thieving trick. So See, I didn't really get that part because Prue like acts all embarrassed when she walks in on them like banging. But I would have just I would have just been like, well, this is a ridiculous thing that I did. And the only thing I can do now is stay the course and act like I'm justified. So I would have accused him of stealing the urn while he was naked with his dick still in my sister. Personally, (laughs) like that's what I would have done. Have you ever had a hookup steal from you? I I fucked this guy in the garage in my parents house once (laughs) and I was so sure that he stole my wallet. But he didn't. I found it like a week later after I hooked up with him again. So Wait, after you hooked up with him again? So there's a chance that he brought it back and planted it? I wanted to be sure. I wanted to be absolutely sure. So you brought him back for a second time to be sure he didn't steal your wallet? <laughs> oh, it was not. I mean, there was like a third and fourth time oh. too. So One time we got caught by my dad in the garage. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> But has, has anyone ever, has a hookup ever stolen from you? Um, I've literally never had a random hookup at my house. I oh. have not had any fun in life. <laughs> um, no, I prefer to be in a car in a cemetery, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, like, I won't call it a pattern, but it has happened twice. <laughs> After this whole, like, drama that goes on, Prue says to Phoebe... Seasons change. People don't. But that's not really true. I've changed a lot since I started practicing witchcraft. I mean, witchcraft is a journey of growth and self-discovery for me. So, like, get with it, Prue. Come on. People change. Yeah. And Phoebe is even like, I've changed. I'm different. I'm a new person. Right. But Clay's not practicing witchcraft so much as practicing, like, smuggling. (laughs) (laughs) So. <laughs> I I mean, a life of crime changes a person, too. Not always for the better, but, you know. Yeah, but it's sort of an escalation to, like, a borrowing money problem. <laughs> Good point. You know. 
I'm just saying. I, uh, I fold. I fold. I agree with you. I don't like Clay, and I won't defend him, and I won't forgive him. <laughs> I think you're having some transference right now. Whatever. How about you transfer on to the next scene? So, surprise, so fucking surprise. Andy is investigating the scorpion sting victim. And... Surprise again, Prue is connected. Clay's in the hotel where his lover was killed, and he's like, oh no, who's going to rail me now? <laughs> and the answer is me. I will. Um, Do you feel like the inclusion of Andy in this episode was just like such an afterthought because they're like, oh, well, he's in the opening credits, so he's got to be in all of them? Yeah, I mean, that's his, really it. His Once inclusion you a... is so pointless in this episode. Once you become a series regular, you have to be in every episode. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can't you can't be in the credits with the exception of like, you know, if there's a conflict or whatever, like you get you can have time off. But like if, if you're a series regular, they're contractually obligated to try to get you into every single one. Right. Um, so at least this case involved a dead body. But yes. it doesn't appear to be murder. But, you know, whatever. Andy needed something to do because I'm sure there was a low rate of homicides in San Francisco that week. <laughs> Andy goes to see Prue. And is like, hey, did you know this dead guy? And Prue's like, nah, fam. That's basically how it went down. Yep. And then Andy pulls out her business card all smug. And he's like, you sure, bitch? <laughs> and Prue's like, I'm a fucking businesswoman, dumbass. I meet a lot of people when I do my job properly. I'm like, you. But then he's kind of sweet. So. Oh, whatever. Yeah, he was all sweet. Okay. He's like, if you ever need anything, don't hesitate to call. Like, if you ever need arrested, or you need your house raided, or if you ever need forced into my car, just remember, I still care about you. Fuck you, Andy. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm still mad at Andy, too. I'll get over it in the next episode, but I'm upset with his actions. So, Phoebe confronts Clay in his hotel room, which is just so like her after, like, telling Prue she's wrong to go and, like, agree with Prue behind her back. But whatever. That's fine. I'm definitely not transferring or projecting or whatever right now. It's fine. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. <laughs> um, you know, she all but admits that she's a witch and is like, you knew the urn was cursed and you cursed my whole family and now my sister's mad at me because I'm being a screw up again. <laughs> and Clay is like, listen, bitch, all my friends are dead, but I DK about this curse. Okay. Like, I... I'm just, like, trying to pay off my debts to the mob. I don't know what I'm doing. How the fuck else would she know that the urn is cursed? Like, how is there any other explanation other than, oh, you probably a witch? I mean, come on, Phoebe. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. I've never in my life yelled at a girl like this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes when I hear people talking about curses and stuff, I don't think they're witches so much as extremely gullible. Honestly, I've said this many a time more often than not people don't care about you enough to like to curse you yeah but if i did there ain't gonna be no doubt about it you gonna fucking know (laughs) right phoebe goes to piper while she's at work to vent about her boy problems meanwhile piper is still totally fixated on doug the klutz just fire him piper jesus fucking christ like oh i would not fire doug i would fucking slap him until i got fired like, he is annoying. <laughs> he really is the fucking worst. I'd be like, what are you spending your wages here on anyway? Hmm? Great clips? <laughs> but after that, uh, Clay goes to the manor to talk to Phoebe, and she has this vision of a really angry rubber snake <laughs> that's about to nip at Clay's sensitive nipples, and she's just like no way that is my job so they go to Buckland's and it's time for a dramatic reenactment drama talent suffering this is a dramatic reenactment and we are sorry What is he doing here? Save it till later. I have seen the future and it's not bright. Oh, good. You haven't given the urn to the cops yet. Yeah, like I really don't want another one of us getting arrested sometime soon. Well, that curse is totally real. Clay, go! Shing! I don't want to harm you. I came for the sexy thief. Who are you? I'm the urn lady. You cannot destroy me. Uh, Phoebe, run! So now there are more who will die. 
thank God that's over. Wow, you are a little dramatic, Urn Lady. Yeah, but how cool is it that the Urn Lady is, like, totally immune to Prue's powers, basically? <laughs> She's kind of a badass. She really is. And then later, Prue is like, mm, since my powers didn't work on her, not a big deal. I'm fine. I'm not going through a crisis about it. We should probably just let Clay die. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> okay, but let's, let, let me just briefly mention that that whole scene happened because... Phoebe had a vision of Clay getting killed at Buckland's. And then she was like, you know what, Clay, we need to go to Buckland's. So I think Phoebe kind of also secretly wants him dead. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> it's very possible. Um, the sisters realize that maybe they shouldn't have gone to the place where they saw Clay die. So they take him back to their house mm-hmm. and desperately try not to out themselves as witches, which works out really well because Clay decides to go off to his death in about a minute and 27 seconds. So, so he like really uh, goes back and forth like four times there just for like a minute. And like, you got to think like traveling during the hours of like seven and nine in San Francisco is probably not very fast. <laughs> and they live in a residential neighborhood not at they all really where Bucklands is so like how the fuck did he get there's just a so lot fast? of travel time going on here there, there really is thank god they have an editing room and they can just cut it all mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. but I mean like <laughs> they, okay if I were in Clay's shoes I would probably be like you know I would go and give myself up to the urn lady but it is such a commute they have deduced though that Clay not being a fuckboy will save his life. So fingers crossed that that works. And I am definitely going to call out some continuity shit right here. Oh my God, please do. I will. Please do. So in the Book of Shadows, Piper reads the section on the seven deadly sins and how they can be combated by a selfless act. Because the Urn Lady... I love that we're calling her that, by the way. Her her official (laughs) name is the Guardian of the Urn, but she is now the Urn Lady. Or the White Lady. Or Party City Cleopatra. Yes. <laughs> but anyway, so the Urn Lady exists to punish greed. And so they look at the seven deadly sins and learn that she can be defeated by a selfless act. In season three, they will come up against the seven deadly sins again and have no fucking idea what to do about it, even though they've already had this experience. And in the future, the book will not provide the same pivotal information that it's giving them right now. You are absolutely correct. I, I mean... They combat them in the same way, but they don't have any fucking clue what to do. Right. Even though Piper found it out in season one with like five seconds of reading. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. We'll have to we'll have to remember this conversation when we get to season three. Yeah, like three years from now. Absolutely. Absolutely will. Uh, there is an epic showdown with a rubber snake and Clay <laughs> saves Phoebe and the urn just vanishes. Uh, it apparently teleported back to the last place it was stolen from where it was placed after it was stolen. And so the thing, the thing that just really pisses me off is that right before Urn Lady teleports away, she gets this real like seventh heaven after school special smug on her face, but with kind of like a, I don't know, almost compassionate twinkle in her eye where she's looking at Clay like she's the dad from seventh heaven And she's just really (laughs) pleased that he learned from this experience. And she was right all along. And she knows that now he's going to listen to her about his greed. And, oh, she's taught him a lesson. And isn't she so great? I just, (laughs) I don't know. Did you get all that from that one second look on her face? Because I did. I did not. I promise you I'm correct. Uh, Well, I have not actually seen Seventh Heaven. Well, neither have I. I'm just kind of assuming. It's really, it's like real Christian, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like real Christian, but they also let Ashley Simpson on it. It's very confusing. (laughs) Okay, well, Doug and Shelly end up together. That was a solid 30 minutes of plot that could have been used on something interesting. But Doug and Shelly suck. They're the worst. Oh my god. And like, who even... But you know, they're also perfect for each other. (laughs) Because they suck. Yeah, but then, like, Prue and Piper are sitting there making these broad statements about people having to change their own lives as though they didn't absolutely just interfere with Doug and Shelly and they're not responsible for getting them back together for, like, the past half hour. And and Doug and Shelly are the whitest fucking names, by the way. Uh, But Clay leaves, and that's the end of the episode. Thank God. (laughs) So, this episode isn't really bad or good, in my opinion, even though it's, like, mostly kind of bad. 
It's mostly bad. The overall story, I think, is okay. Getting from point A to point B was kind of blah. Kind of like going on a scenic drive, but your passenger, like, keeps reading all the billboards out loud. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is so funny that you would say that. Do you know what the vagina game is? Of course you don't. (laughs) No, okay. No, I don't. Okay, I have passed so many road trips in this way, and you have to try it sometime. Okay. I'm so excited to tell the whole world about this. Okay, so the vagina game is a road trip game. And what you do is you look at billboards and signs and you say them out, you read them out loud, but you replace one of the words with vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's, oh my God, like, what's a great example? Um, Let's see. Um, In my hometown, there's a sign that if you play the vagina game correctly, says vagina pressure washing. Um... (laughs) And then, like, you can get things like vagina limit ahead 50, you know. <laughs> you just, you have to, you just have to go out and do it, listeners. You just have to go out and do it. And just, I'm going to say you're welcome in advance for changing your life. <laughs> uh, do you, do you want those to be your final thoughts on the uh, episode? You know, I or do you have something else to say? I think the vagina game is my final thought on the episode, I'm going to be honest. So we experienced a couple different deaths today i think my kill of the day is plays boner when crew (laughs) walked in on them i think my kill of the day is the off-screen pre-episode death of the assumedly white art collector in cairo who who probably stole the urn before all of this as well as several other priceless artifacts from indigenous egyptians in their tombs and i think the old codger had it fucking coming kill of the day um, if I were going to rate this episode, I would give it the first and second Mummy films, but a refusal to acknowledge the third one because they recast Evelyn. I would not give this episode the first and second Mummy films because they're actually good. <laughs> if I had to rate this episode, I would give it um, something worse than a combination spider bite, snake bite, and scorpion sting because that would honestly be preferable to watching a powerful witch make excuses for the douchebag ex who ruined her life. <laughs> Where can the people find you? Oh my god. Um, you can find me on my Facebook meme page, Siren Spectacular, non-binary meme witch. You can also follow me on Twitter at Siren Spectacular, or you can watch my coven's YouTube channel, Millennial Incantation. You can follow me on Instagram at Phoenix Arcana Lightwood. You can follow me on Twitter at Phoenix Arcana underscore. If you want to add me on Facebook, feel free because everybody fucking else is doing it. (laughs) You can follow the podcast at WBRcast across the board. If you have a question or something you'd like to hear us talk about, please feel free to send us an email at whichbereview at gmail.com, please, because all I've been getting is like ads for porn. Well, I wonder how that happened. All right, you vengeful drag queen spirits. Until next time, keep on witching. And bitching. Bye. Bye. Are you a good witch or a bad witch?